0: Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel. The gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered it to you as of first importance, what I received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, and that he was buried and that he rose on the third day in accordance with the scriptures and that he appeared to cephas then to the 12 then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time most of whom are still alive though some have fallen asleep then he appeared to james then to all the apostles last of all as to one untimingly born he appeared also to me the gospel Take your Bibles this morning, please, and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. You know, as we grow together, and as we're challenged and changed and conformed to the character of Jesus Christ, we need to make sure that we understand the truth of the Gospel. Because without the Gospel, the good news that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried and rose again according to the Scriptures, we have nothing in fact, the scripture tells us in 1 Corinthians, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are most men most miserable. And it is so important that we understand the gospel. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, please, verse 11. Will you begin there with me? Therefore knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. But what we are is known to God, and I I hope it is known also to your conscience. Verse 14, for the love of Christ controls us, because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who might live no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. So that in Him, Christ, we might become the righteousness of God, working together with Him. Then we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. The gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's critical that we understand what the gospel is all about. If you leave with nothing else today, I want you to leave understanding the gospel. And I want you to know what the gospel is. Did you watch the political debate on Monday night? As I watched that debate and heard the opening statements, I understood very quickly that part of the process was going to be to try to determine who was telling the truth. In fact, one of the candidates said, I have fact checkers who are looking at my opponent, and you can go to my website, and you can find out whether or not my opponent is telling the truth. There were some who wanted the moderator, Lester Holt, to be a fact checker of the candidates. Glenn Kessler of the Washington Post came up with Pinocchios. You remember Pinocchio? Pinocchio? He was the little kid who, when he did not tell the truth, his nose grew. Remember that? And so Kessler goes through the process of giving the candidates Pinocchios. And my task this morning is not to tell you how many Pinocchios each candidate got. But my task this morning is to make sure that we understand that there are no Pinocchios in the gospel. And it is our responsibility to make sure as we present the good news of God that we are presenting it not only in a credible way but in a biblical way that reflects what God intends us to have through His Son Jesus Christ. The Gospel. Let me share with you four Pinocchios. Pinocchios sometimes we get confused with the Gospel. Now, I want to share these with you, and they are taken from nine marks of a healthy church. I have told you before the key to originality is forgetting where you got it. Well, I know where I got this, all right? And it came from nine marks of a healthy church. The first Pinocchio is this I'm okay, you're okay. I'm okay, you're okay. And many times with the gospel we go, just as I am, without one plea, right? I'm okay. And God somehow gets the benefit of me coming to Him. That is not correct. The Bible says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. In fact, there is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. It's not I'm okay, you're okay. It is that God's son was okay and he shed his precious blood to pay the penalty for our sins so that you and I could be okay. The gospel is not simply I'm okay, you're okay. The gospel is not simply God is love. Now it is true that God is love. But there are many people that say a loving God would never send anyone to a Christless eternity, would never send anyone to hell. Well, God loved you so much that He demonstrated His love towards you in that while you were a sinner, Christ died for you. That's God's love. God understood that we weren't okay. And to remedy that situation, God's Son, Jesus Christ, went to the cross and shed His blood in payment for our sin. So, God, For God so loved the world that He did what? Gave who? His only begotten Son. Why? Finish the verse. Oh, we are at John 3.16 if some of you have gotten lost. All right? Let's just quote that verse together. That would probably be easier. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The gospel is not simply that God is love. Although God is love. The gospel is... Simply not that Jesus wants to be our friend. Now, he was a friend of sinners, right? In fact, he was criticized for that fact. The fact that he was a friend of sinners. And the religious leaders of his day saw him associating with publicans, uh, tax collectors. We have any IRS people here today? And sinners. And why did he do that? He did that because the religious crowd of the day were so caught up in their own world that they shunned these people and were unwilling to show them that they could have a relationship with God. Jesus said, I'll call you friends if you'll do whatsoever I command you. He said I don't want to call you servants. I want to call you friends. Jesus does, but that's simply not the gospel. That Jesus wants to be our friend. The gospel is simply not that we should live a right life. Clean up our act. <laughs> be acceptable to God in some way. Don't drink and don't chew and don't go with girls to do. That's not the gospel. Because we can clean ourselves up all we want, and without Jesus Christ, we're still going to Christless eternity. We're going to hell. And so it is not simply living a lifestyle that we think is better or more pleasing to God or in some way gains merit. You see, when we get to heaven... There is not going to be some kind of scale that has our good works and our bad works weighed against each other. And if our good overturns our bads, we get in. That's not it. The only way we get into heaven is to receive Jesus Christ as personal Savior. So then, what is the gospel? If we were to fact check the gospel against the Word of God... What do we find? We find very quickly that the gospel is all about God's grace. Did you notice verse 1 of chapter 6? Working together with him then, we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. Now, I need to define grace for you. Grace is someone giving to you what you do not deserve. Let me repeat that. Grace is someone giving to you what you do not deserve. Sometimes we get grace and mercy mixed up. Mercy is someone not giving you what you do deserve. You're speeding. The policeman pulls you over and says, I'm not going to write you a ticket, have a nice day. That's mercy. All right? Grace is someone giving to you what you do not deserve. God provides for us a relationship with Him through His Son, Jesus Christ, and an eternal home in heaven, and none of us deserve that. That's God's grace. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works lest any man should boast. For, by, for the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. Titus chapter 2. That's why Jesus came, wasn't it? John 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 14 says, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The truth is that the genuine gospel begins and ends with God's grace. It's not about us. It's all about who God is. The truth is that the gospel is that one died for all. One died for all. Verse 14 of our text, 2 Corinthians 5, 14, For the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have. Paul wrote to the believers in Ephesus that they were dead in their trespasses and sins. The Bible says that Christ died for our sins. 1 Corinthians 15, we read it this morning. Died for our sins according to the scriptures. Paul writes in chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians, For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made. Alive. There is this vicarious substitution. That means someone else took our place. For the wages of sin is death. And folks, that is true for each and every one of us. Sometimes we wonder why people enter eternity maybe it's a young person that seems to have all of their lives in front of them maybe it's an older person that is so loved and appreciated but I can tell you why everybody dies because of sin Now, it may be cancer, it may be an auto accident, it may be something else, but that's all the result of sin in our lives. And we are dead in our trespasses and sin, and the truth is that one died for us. Christ died to pay our price. In fact, the scripture says that it doesn't happen very often that a, somebody dies for a righteous man. But Christ died for the ungodly. Wow. Let that sink in this morning, will you please? We're going to remember his given body and his shed blood. He died for us. He went to the cross and shed his precious blood in payment for your sin and mine. Think about how much love does that take? And may I just say, how much hate does it take For us not to tell people that Christ died for their sins. How much do we have to hate somebody not to give them that message? If we really believe it. The genuine gospel is this. That one died for all. The genuine gospel is Savior focused. The genuine gospel is sacred focus. Verse 15. And he died for all that those who might live might live no longer for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. If he died for us, should we not live for him? You ever feel obligated to anybody for something they've done for you? I mean, they didn't do it so that you'd be obligated. But it was, it was such an event. It was, it was such an illustration of, of, of their love that you wonder, how can I ever pay you back? What, what, what can I ever do? And when you get a, up alongside those people, you, you appreciate them more and more, Right? Connie and I are so thankful for the folks here at Calvary Baptist Church. You guys are great. Thank you so much. And here at Calvary Baptist Church we don't need an October for pastor appreciation because you guys do it 12 months a year. Amen, Eunice? Where's Pastor John? I can't get an amen from him. He'll be here later. (laughs) There he is. (laughs) But you know, I am more and more understanding of what I owe Jesus Christ because He died for me. How can I do less than give Him my best, and here it is, live for Him completely after all He's done for me? The gospel is Savior-focused. It's not on me. It's not on you. It's not on the culture. It's that Christ, the Savior, died for our sins according to the Scripture. The Gospel is all about the power of the resurrection. Did you notice the last two words of verse 15? He was raised. (laughs) He was raised they went to the empty tomb and he wasn't there that's Easter right they went looking for him and the angel said why are you seeking the living among the dead he's not here he's risen as he said amen the gospel is all about the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ and without the resurrection you and I'd have absolutely nothing I mentioned earlier today that we are gathered here on Sunday to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That was it, right? When did they go to the tomb? First day of the week. Sunday is the first day of the week. That's why believers worship on Sunday, because we worship to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The Gospel. Is all about the power of the resurrection. The gospel is that the effects of that should affect our lives. It's here in verse 17. There's a therefore, right? And every time we find a therefore, we do what? Ask what we ask what it's there for. The therefore in verse 17. It's because of verse 16. From now on, therefore, because he died and was raised, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh. We regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if any man's in Christ, he's a new creation. Amen. The effects of the gospel ought to affect our lives, it ought to make a difference. Paul wrote to Timothy, and he said, Timothy, in the last days perilous times going to come and then then he lists what those perilous times mean and he ends it this way they're going to have a form of godliness in the last days but they're going to deny the power of that in their lives it's not going to make difference. they're going to go to church timothy but it won't make any difference monday through saturday they're going to claim to be christians timothy But it's not going to change them in any way. Timothy in the last days I want you to know. Now this was 2,000 years ago you understand. The last days are a whole lot closer than they were back then. I want you to know Timothy. That they're going to claim to have godliness. But there's going to be absolutely no effect in their lives. The effect of Christ died for our sins won't make any difference. Boy, do we see that today? And lastly, we need to be living out reconciliation. Now, you say what's reconciliation? Reconciliation is a restored relationship. Hmm? Reconciliation is when the books are balanced. You ever try to reconcile your checkbook and come up three pennies off? That'd drive you nuts. Well it should. <laughs> but I am so thankful that through Jesus Christ my account has been balanced with the Holy God. And not only has it been balanced He has given to you and me The ministry of balancing accounts with God. Now, what does that mean? It means that you and I can go out and give people the good news of the gospel. We can go out and we can share with folks how they can have a personal relationship with God. We can encourage them because God loved them just like he loved us. And if they will receive Jesus Christ as personal Savior, they too can be born again into the family of God. Verse 18, may I read it for you? All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Let me tell you, folks, if we don't tell them, nobody will. How shall they believe in him and whom they've not heard? Romans chapter 10. And how shall they hear without a preacher? And that's not just somebody who stands on the platform Sunday mornings. That's you and me as we let our light so shine before men that they may see our good works and glorify our Father, which is in heaven. That is you and me as we are the salt of the earth. You and I as we are the salt of the earth. That is, verse 19, in Christ God was reconciling. Yeah, that's how it happened. Restoring that relationship. The world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. God making it. His appeal through us. He said it three times now. Because of that, we implore you, on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God, for our sick, for our sake, He made him to be sin who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God. That's the gospel. Will you say the word gospel with me this morning? Gospel. Let's make sure that we understand what the gospel is according to God. Because it's not the gospel according to me. It's not the gospel according to you. It's the gospel according to God. And we have to be faithful as we share this gospel with those who are around us. I have my quiet time electronically. And this morning as I was reading out of 1 John chapter 1 I went to the commentary and the expanded version said this. They wanted a total transcendent Christ who never got his hands dirty. Why did they want that kind of Christ? Because they didn't want their Christianity to affect the way they lived. Wow. Christianity was always meant to meet people where they are. Ian Thomas wrote. I simply argue that the cross be raised again at the center of the marketplace as well as on the steeple of the church. (laughs) I am recovering the claim that Jesus was not crucified in a cathedral between two candles, but on a cross between two thieves, on the town garbage heap, at a crossroad so cosmopolitan That they had to write his name in Hebrew and in Latin and in Greek. At the kind of place where cynics talk smut. And thieves curse. And soldiers gamble. Because that is where he died. And that is what he died about. And that is where churchmen ought to be. And what churchmen should be about. Christ who was in the beginning is the Christ who John touched. The same Christ wants to be a reality in our lives. And when this happens, our joy will be full. Let me give you the passage. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, And we are writing these things that our joy may be complete. That's the gospel. And that's what we celebrate this morning in the given body and the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Recognizing that without the cross, we would be of most men most miserable. And yet Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. Amen? And then He was buried and He rose again according to the Scripture. That's the Gospel.